The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Before any of that, we are going to kick things off as we do every day with our afternoon update, catching you up on all that has happened, the stories that matter most. And with me for the afternoon update today, Ian O'Doherty, columnist with the Irish Independent and Craig Hughes, political correspondent with the Irish Daily Mail. A gentleman, you're both very welcome. Uh, Ian, you'd be glad to know I've relented and allowed the dog in. You have? Well, at night... When it gets very cold, like it was minus seven, even even I thought that's probably pushing it to leave even the dog. You, but <laughs> to leave the dog you, at and minus you're a seven. Well, um, I am a monster, yeah. But uh, no, the, the dog is training you. This mm. is the thing you have to remember. Dogs train us more yes. than we train dogs. My pair, uh, Belle, particularly, uh, she just refuses to go out when it's too cold. We should have called her Goldilocks because if it's too hot, she doesn't like it. If it's too cold, she doesn't like it. If it's raining, forget about it. Um, so that's, I not, think, that's a little person that's not a dog at all I, 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 I think I might have created two spoiled little monsters yeah you see you should have left them out more when they were when they were puppies no, they, they, rooted they, them out the back garden they, they, get out you can't they're rescue dogs it's my job to spoil them Mm, I don't know. I, I people are, whenever I mention the dogs being outdoor dogs, people take sin and give out to me for being some sort of tyrant. Um, I think, I mean, dogs are meant to be outside, aren't they? No, they are. No, they're not. They like, are. I mean, look, look. They're my animals. Pair, my, my pair sleep in the bed. Uh, oh. no, come on, that's. No, you gotta, I know. You gotta draw the line somewhere now. I know. You know. <laughs> yeah. um, Sick. What type of people are bringing on this show? <laughs> uh, no, uh, do, we, do news talks stand over these news here? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, my life revolves around them, and uh, they treat me like rubbish because they know they have me wrapped around their little paws. Do yours bark early in the morning? This is turning into now a bit of a kind of an advice slot. No. Okay. Um, they bark when anybody walks past. Okay. Because Good guard dogs. They, they have their own couch uh, underneath the window, the sitting room window. And um, so they tend to go nuts. Um, we got the second one to calm the first one down. Did it work? No, because the first one made the second one crazy. <laughs> um, so now rather than having one crazy dog, I have two crazy dogs. Mm. And... Um, they just do what they want. Yeah. And, I mean, I get the impression that they look at me at times and when I'm trying to give out to them, it's like you, their faces have just gone, yeah, okay, boomer. Yeah. <laughs> well, if anyone at home has advice, because ours is not a barker except at six in the morning. That's his wake-up call. That's his biological clock. He wants to go out to 6 the Six a.m. Well, you would think that, but um, he, if he's outside, he'll just, he can go to the loo. The world is his oyster. Oh, right. Um, but then that. in the last few nights when I've allowed him in, he just goes to the toilet right at the back door. So he's, And he still barks afterwards. So I think he, he just wants to go for a walk that early. Yeah. Now, I bring him for a walk. He's saying good morning. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. But, you know, there's mornings I just wish he'd say good morning a little bit, <laughs> a little bit later. I know. That's I'll all. That's all. Uh, a house is not a home without a dog. Says one listener, 087-1400-106. Anyway, we're not here to talk about dogs. Um, we're here to talk about an awful lot of things. We might start with the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, because she is on the show a little bit later, after five o'clock, and there's a whole host of things to talk to her uh, about. Uh, but Craig, a couple of things uh, today in the news that pertain to her. Broadly, from a government point of view, uh, Leo Vradker again talking about all these extra resources that are going to be diverted uh, to communities around the country because we have so many spare GPs and nurses and Gardaí uh, as it is. We can afford to send them to, to different areas. And then in terms of her own bailiwick, uh, this news that the initiative to increase Garda presence in Dublin city centre 
after the riots in November looks like it's coming to an end. Yeah, we'll, we'll start on, on, on the immigration side, first of all. So we've got details of this grand plan, or I guess the outline sketch of it, that, that the 10 districts that have taken the most uh, refugees and asylum seekers will be getting these extra resources. And people were saying, well, you know, what are these 10 districts? So they, they haven't even drawn them up yet, which I guess gives you a, an outline of how of how embryonic um, this plan is. Um, there's talk about mobilising Garda reserves, all that. I mean, it's all very broad brush ideas at the moment. I'd say into next week, you might see that flesh out a bit more. But we all know the challenges that are there at the moment. Um, given that we're struggling to get Garda numbers as it was, it'll be difficult to see how you can plan them around the country, even though... Um, that doesn't seem to be the main issue. The, the other one is around resources. Like, look, look, look at GPs, for example. It's it's just struggle struggle to see how you are suddenly going to be, be able to magic up uh, enough GPs into rural areas that will make a significant impact um, on, on availability and similarly across other services. Um, I will say though that this is becoming kind of more into focus, even at at the at the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting on Tuesday night. Um, Miss McEntee was asked about all this, and she said, "Look, uh, we're, we're 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 bolstering up um, the system." We're, we, we know we need to be seen to be firm on it. She said there's more deportations happening now than ever before and there's more staff attached to it. Um, and I think the Taoiseach said, look, when you've got 40 million people coming to your ports, a slippage of one or two percent um, is kind of normal. But I think it's, it comes back to that side of, of, of needing people to think that the system is firm where, where, where there are those breaches of it, which I think they've struggled on so far. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Minister has to say on, on, on that. Um, on the policing side of things, of course, there was that story in the Irish Times today that, that the money was being used up, but I think the Minister was, was, was pretty clear when she spoke on RT earlier that the presence will be maintained. And I think that's really important because um, while I don't think anyone expects to see another riot, like when we had yesterday, the first day back of the doll really heavy police uh, guard presence outside. Now, nothing happened, but it's it's if something big happens again, the perception mm. for the government really, really could be could could, could be you know critical for them. So they're not going to let up when when it's an issue of of money on, on keeping Gardaí on the streets as long as they have to. Uh, like Ian, are they creating a hostage to fortune by talking about extra resources for communities? Or absolutely, because okay. if you're going to talk about them, you have to deliver them. Um, so the mechanisms and the resources have to be there. And I have to say, for the record, I mean, I've said this in print, uh, Helen McEntee has been a disaster. Um, she's completely failed the people of Dublin. Um, her boldface assertion that Dublin was a safe city was roundly disproved. This is after the assault on Stephen Termini. Mm. Um, and I worked in Tobas Street for about 15 years and the place was always a bit of a war zone. Um, but it's become a hell of a lot worse now. Um, it's dangerous. I wouldn't want my wife walking down <coughs> even in the middle of the day. Um, you very rarely see a cop walking the streets. Um, the fact that Dublin is now one of the 10 most dangerous cities in Europe is proof of that. And I think she's manifestly failed. And also, I do think... With the immigration issue, this is going to get a hell of a lot worse before we see any improvement. And what we're going to see is a hell of a lot more resentment from people who aren't far right, who aren't racist. Um, They're just seeing their communities being gutted, like we've seen in Ross Craig. You've every right to be annoyed if the last hotel in your village, which is the primary venue, for every social occasion, from communions to christenings mm-hmm. to weddings. Um, if that's taken, of course you're going to be annoyed. Mm. And you're perfectly entitled to be annoyed. And what we have is a lot of Dublin journalists 
who don't live in areas that are affected by immigration. Mm. Um, and they can afford to take, it's almost like a theological approach that they have towards these things, that anybody who doesn't want these people coming in is uh, far right. Like, let's put it this way, in the estate where I live, there's a quite a, a bunch of Ukrainians have moved in in the last few years. And they're brilliant. And I love the fact that the Ukrainian kids who first arrived a few years ago, now they speak with thick Dublin accents. <laughs> and they're locals. And yeah. they've been completely assimilated. But the thing is, when you have your community centres or your hotels being turned over, it's going to foster resentment. And that's going to lead to serious problems down the road. I, I wonder, Craig, is one of the lessons from the Ross Gray experience <clears throat> that the Department of Integration needs to slow down a little bit in terms of accepting any offer of accommodation. That, you know, because I talked about it yesterday, mm. not too far from Ross Gray. Well, you know what I mean? It's a decent drive. As the crow flies not too far in Erlingford and North Kilkenny, there, there was protests a couple of weeks ago. They kind of mm. withered away because the building that was proposed or and continues to be proposed uh, to be used for asylum seekers it was kind of a vacant old building that had been kind of offices and storage above shops. You know, it, it, they weren't robbing from Peter to pay Paul, in other words. Yeah, but and of course, this is the, the quandary in which the Minister for Integration, Roger Gorman, finds himself. Yeah, I think we appreciate the fact that he, no, it is a scramble. You know, it, it's a scramble. But, so uh, I guess the question he would have is, do you leave the 600 people who are currently without any accommodation um, on the streets tonight in minus six or minus seven? Or do you take the accommodation that's there on offer? Uh, the Ross Gray case is so important. Uh, one, because now the government is trying to go in and, and do a, a, a vacant hotel that was there. But a problem that was actually raised at the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party last night by, by Senator Pat Casey, who, of course, is a hotelier as well, was that, you know, you can't create a situation whereby it makes more economic sense to open up um, accommodation for asylum seekers than it is to run a hotel. And that's what the state has created at the moment. So that, is, that is, therein lies the issue. And it's tough to get away from commercial realities as well. Like if you have a struggling hotel business and you go, well, actually, do you know what? Why would I bother killing myself to, 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 to struggle to keep this going when I can just do this? So that's that's a really delicate balance they've struck. They failed in, in, in Ross Gray. I think they realised that. But again, they're still mm. in this emergency kind of spin where they're, where they're trying to deal with it. And the difficulty for them is I can't see them getting ahead of the curve now um, for quite some time. How, when you still have between you know, five and 800 new arrivals each, each week, how do you get ahead of that when you're already struggling to get new accommodation? That's the real challenge. Yeah, it's going to be a running to standstill element uh, to all of this. Listen, Helen McEntee is going to be with me in about an, uh, an hour's time and we will talk about all those issues uh, and more besides. I do want to ask you, though, about uh, Kate Middleton. We all have fingers and toes crossed for her recovery. Look, she's a real person. I shouldn't be flipping to better health. At the same time, I did find it kind of remarkable, Ian, earlier, and I checked with a few other people here on the floor in News Talk. I asked them to check what was the top trending thing on their Twitter, just in case mine was, uh, uh, the algorithm was skewing mine. And Kate Middleton was either one, two or three on everybody's. Yeah. There's just a fascination, isn't there? It, it, there is. And it's, it's one of the dichotomies of the Irish mindset and that most of us would be vaguely nationalist, with a small n. I don't mean rabid Republican, but, mm. you know, and yet there, there, there's this really strange fascination, on the other hand, with the royal family. And I think, and I've written about this before, I think it's because basically the royal family is just a really posh version of EastEnders. <laughs> right? It's a it's a dysfunctional family. Yeah. Um 
which up, up until recently had a very strong matriarch who was holding everything together. Um, <laughs> I love this. And, That's the Barbara Windsor character. Yeah, okay. Uh, and the Queen Vic, as opposed to the Queen Liz. Um, <laughs> and now they're falling apart. And Will and Kate seem like a nice couple. Um, but I'm more interested, and because, because I'm a keen student of ghastly human folly, um, I have a very unseemly interest in uh, Meghan and Harry because they're appalling us and their sheer hubris and their utter inability to tell the truth about anything uh, just really fascinates So who me. are they in the EastEnders matter? The Cat and Alfie? Who, yeah. Who? Okay. You know, I like I mean, you, can, you can work this all the way yeah. down. It's, it's bizarre, it. you know. Um, but the, the, that's Two bit, brothers are bald as well. They're like the Mitchells. Yeah. It's great. Feuding. Yeah. This is know. ideal. I love it. <laughs> don't, be, don't be looking at me asking me to understand these Sanders references. I, I busy my time. Ah, well, <laughs> you work for, time the, you work for the mail, so you understand all the royal references, surely, Craig. You must have got the memo, Craig, because the mail are going big <laughs> on this one. Um, like, joking aside, I mean... There's a reason that uh, not just the Mail, other newspapers reported as well. There is a fascination, isn't no, there? No, there is, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think like quite a lot of uh, people went off. I think if we don't have a lot of royal coverage, people kind of tend to give out about it. So look, there is, there's no doubt about it. And yet that's why it's the top story on, on the Mail website today and across all your Twitters, because there is this fascination and there's borne out whenever there's a royal visit. And is it like, because sometimes there's a temptation to overthink it and look through it all, through a kind of post-colonial lens at all of this. Mm-hmm. Um it strikes me though, maybe it's just a celebrity thing, is it? And we're just exposed to their well, culture the so much. Reality, yeah. It's just they're, they're, they're kind of celebs. Yeah, I'm not People sure. People are fascinated but, but by celebs. I mean, the, the, the desire amongst the Irish public for royal content is, 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 is certainly undoubtable. Yeah. Well, the big news today was that Will's visitor in hospital. I like one of the, the, some of the coverage it was, uh, I think it was in the Telegraph I read it. He drove himself to the hospital, you know, real man of the people. Yeah. And then the photograph was him with a kind of a bodyguard in the car beside him and then a massive Range Rover with about four bodyguards driving right behind well, him. I think, I, that, that doesn't count as driving yourself. I think we could be seeing, <laughs> witnessing the last of the royals in their current form yeah. as we know them um, so there is that sort of literal end of an empire sense once the queen died public respect for the royal family to a large degree died with it so, well you say that but someone's texted in to say Kieran by Kate Middleton I assume you mean Catherine the Princess of Wales <laughs> somebody else says Danny Dyer who's Annie Sanders is actually related to the royal family yeah, it, it, is it Henry VIII or something? He was on one of those. <laughs> no way. He was on one of those genealogy shows, um, but which just proves that it was. Who do you think you are, or something like that? I think um, see, if people can't see the look on Craig's face, I think he's the exception to the rule. He is not responsible for Kate Middleton trending. Is the sense I get from this conversation? He's squirming over there. Please do not ask me anything else about that woman see, or nurse, that family. A nurse was suspended today for saying that if Kate had gone to the NHS, she would have been kicked out after one day, and uh, she's in trouble for saying that she was trying to defend the NHS. Mm. So the Brits still take this stuff seriously. We, we I, I think it's one of the reasons why we have such a, an almost ghoulish interest is that to us, it's kind of unfathomable. Yeah. Um, so therefore, we tend to find it quite amusing. I find it quite amusing. You know, now yeah. if I was British, I'd probably be a Republican who wants yeah, to... Yeah, because you're paying for it all. We, we get all the enjoyment without any of the tax burden. Yeah, although they do bring in more yeah. to the Exchequer. In fairness, um, 
I'm not sure we're going to get back to that a little bit later in the show. So if you've got a view on, on, on yeah, the Royal Family, Family uh, share it with me now. Um, before you go, we, there was mention of the NHS there. So, Craig, um, uh, we only have a, a minute or two uh, uh, left, but I do want to mention Tony Holohan, former CMO, speaking at a conference a little bit earlier today, talking about vaccine uptake amongst healthcare workers, which is very low, it turns out, for COVID-19 vaccines. It's perennially perennially low as well for flu. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I remember during the pandemic, um, this was something that I mean, when, when it was when it was raised, that there was this big push to get the, the healthcare workers to take it. I was kind of going, going what? Surely you're the, the cohort who'd, who'd always get it. So I think after an initial boost during the pandemic, it's back down again. Um, I, I personally, now I've got my flu vaccine and my COVID, COVID vaccine. So I, th- I think, look, it, it makes sense. And I think everyone should do it. Especially if I was looking bad for all of November because I didn't take the flu vaccine. Yeah. Um, and it it absolutely <clears throat> wiped me out. Um, yeah. The sickest I've ever felt. But the thing is, I mean, I, I understand bodily autonomy and people being reluctant to take vaccines and stuff. But by and large vaccines, you know, when was the last time you saw somebody with polio? Mm. Right? Um, vaccines work. But I, again, I'd be equally uncomfortable with the idea of forcing them onto people. William visits Kate as she spends her third day in hospital. Stepping back from royal duties to juggle childcare was one headline. It must be tough deciding which nanny to use. Uh, You're obsessed. (laughs) You're obsessed. Hey, no, somebody's texted in uh, on uh, Danny Dyer, Richard III. Oh, I... back. Now is the winter of our discontent. I stand corrected. Bosworth Field and all of that. Wow. There you have it. I'm correct. The War of the Roses. Uh, More texts. I I won't have time for them all. The amount of texts is fascinating. Ian O'Doherty, columnist of the Irish Independent, Craig Hughes, political correspondent with the Irish Daily Mail. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.